Hello and welcome back to the Ken Seven channel. Um, we're having a little football chat on a Wednesday morning. Obviously, Liverpool got a game this, this evening against Norwich in the FA Cup. And joining me is um, superstar journalist from The Athletic, James Pierce. James, welcome, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Morning, Gav. Um, got quite a bit to talk about. Obviously, uh, we've just put a bit of silverware in the trophy cabinet on Sunday, which was fantastic. I'm guessing you were at the game. Yeah, I was um, there, yeah. Just, I don't, I mean, I don't want to delve in tactically to the game or anything, but there's a few things that I wanted to ask you about. Um, first of all, um, what, what did you think of Luis Diaz's performance? Yeah, I, I thought Diaz was the, the pick of Liverpool's attackers on the day. Um, he, he's been an absolute sensation, hasn't he? It's, it's watching him play, it's hard to believe he's only been at the club a month because we've been so used to talking about how, you know, you need to cut new players from slack and how they, you know, especially when you come to, you know, a new country, new language and all the rest of it, you know, you, there's a period of adaptation. And we've seen it with Klopp numerous times where, you know, he is all about, you know, he buys someone for the long term, you know, for five years, not five months. And you know, people like Fabino and Andy Robertson and Oxley chamberlain had that period where, you know, frustration early on before they kind of got to grips with what exactly the manager wanted from them. But, um, you know, talk about hit the ground, hitting the ground running. Um, I think it says a lot about the homework that Liverpool do in terms of the, fitting the, the profile for the, type, the kind of players they go for in the transfer market, because he looks every inch a Klopp footballer to me, you know, both in terms of what he does with the ball and just as importantly for Klopp, what he does without the ball, because, um, yeah, he's a he's a nightmare for defenders, and um, yeah, it was good to hear yesterday. Klopp confirmed that you know there was no issue when he came off on Sunday. It was just fatigue having put such a big shift in. I watched the press conference yesterday because I obviously do a video about every press conference, and I found it interesting to say that to hear him say. I think he what he said was we we haven't given him all the information. But he just understands what he needs to do already, and I found that really telling. And I think that goes back to your point about the the scouting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it that is interesting in terms of yeah. Not I think the feeling has been from Klopp and the staff: don't overcomplicate things, don't overburden him with tactical information. And you know, we want you to do you know when you're in this position, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to look for that pass and. Because as much as there is a structure and a, a tactical plan at Liverpool, especially for the attacking front three, Klopp wants spontaneity. He wants players to to, to to kind of do what they feel is right and take that option and that decision-making in that particular moment. And um, yeah, I think certainly that approach has worked well so far in terms of the impact that, that Diaz is, is having. Um, he, I think he's just a player that gets people off their seats, isn't he? He's exciting to watch. He, every time he gets the ball, you feel like something is going to happen. He's, he's quick, he's direct, he's positive. You know, I, I like the fact he's not, you know, not everything he tries comes off, you know, inevitably, but he's not afraid to, to, to kind of take risks and, and, and knows that, you know, not everything will come to fruition, but um so much has done so far. And um, yeah, it's mouthwatering to think what Liverpool could go on to achieve this season with him in that kind of form. Because, you know, for so long we talked about it being this kind of like, you know, well-established front three and how it was almost impossible for anyone to try and 
you know, get themselves involved in that. And then you know, you've now got that front three plus Jota plus Diaz. You know, what a five that is. And then you've got Minamino and Origi on top of that. Um, it's, I, I mean, I, I was I was going to come on to a bit of this later, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask you now, actually. It kind of, um, I suppose the pessimist in me kind of makes me, me wonder whether we should enjoy the five of them being in the squad now because we might not have the five of them in the summer because I almost feel like we've brought Diaz in early. We would have always waited for someone to leave. Is is Have you had got any information on that at all for, for the summer? Yeah, I think I think certainly at the minute it, it's too soon to to say what will happen in the summer. I think I think you're right. I'd be I'd be surprised if if all five were were still there come the start of next season. I hope they are, um, but mm. it wouldn't. You know, it, you know, I think that goes without saying. But it wouldn't surprise me if 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 one wasn't. Um, but then you know, it's, at, at the minute, the, the, you know, the, in terms of there's so much still to be decided. When you think we've got this transition period at the minute where Michael Edwards hands on the reins to to Julian Ward and you know there is a lot a lot to kind of sort out there in terms of you know probably top of the list obviously is Mohamed Salah's contract you know that that's still to be decided um you know and I think what happens with him then has a knock-on effect in terms of Mane and 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 Firmino as well to a degree so um so yeah I think it, it, it's I know what you mean the fact that you know Diaz was always a summer target for Liverpool, and then it was it was you know two reasons really why that was fast tracked. It was one was you know they 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 suddenly became aware of the fact that Tottenham were very close to sorting out a deal for him, and then also the fact that Porto's financial woes meant that they were willing to take less than what they had initially been demanding at the start of January. So those two things came together to um, you know to, to to make Liverpool move fast to to get that deal done. So. Um, so yeah, I think you know Klopp, there was a comment from Klopp, wasn't there, a few weeks ago, where he said, you know, we 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 can't just ignore kind of you know other players' contract situations, and we have to keep planning for the future to keep this team up there competing for the the biggest prizes. Because I think you know for me that was a reference to well, we still don't really know what's going to happen with with Salah and with Mane, and like I said, to a lesser degree probably Firmino, because I don't I don't think you could have a situation where all three of those players start next season at Liverpool all in the last year of their contract and and you're almost accepting that you're going to lose all three of those for nothing in the summer of 2023 because I just don't think that makes smart business sense. Mm. Just going back to the game, um, it is funny that I, I was quite surprised, although, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't think that he played badly or, or, or ordinary. He had a great game. I was quite surprised that Van Dijk won man of the match because of Diaz's performance was so electric. Oh, you won't have seen this. So I, I couldn't get a ticket to the final. You right. won't have heard Gary Neville talking about Diaz. And it was amazing to hear someone who's so closely connected with Man United. And obviously he's very biased, just waxing lyrical about our new player and that just talking him up saying, you know, every time he did something, he, he'd chip in again. He'd say something like, yeah, Liverpool looked like they found another one here. You know, there was that sort of thing. And that, that was brilliant. Him, yeah, hey? <laughs> I said that would have hurt him having to say that. Completely, but it was brilliant this too. But just going back to Van Dijk, um, you know, he had a great game. And and quite often with Verge, he's that good that you almost take it for granted. Do you feel like he's back to full Verge? Um, the, the Verge that we knew before the, you know, the, the injury? 
Yeah, 100%. I think in the last, probably in the last five or six weeks, really, it feels like he's now got back to that level. I think I think there was always going to be a kind of a period where you just had to, you know, you just had to accept that there were, it, it was bound to, bound to need time because um, you don't, you don't miss that amount of football, no matter how good you are. And he is the best centre-half in world football. You don't, you don't, you don't miss, what was it, eight, nine months and then just step back and you're suddenly the player you were. I think, I think there were signs earlier on in the season of a degree of rust. Um, you know, I think about some of the goals Liverpool conceded, I think probably the one away at Leicester um, when Liverpool lost, what was that kind of back end of December? Um, you thought to yourself, you know, you thought to yourself, oh, you know, that's that's not quite the Van Dyke we all know and love. Yet it feels like over the last, yeah, probably, yeah, probably five six weeks, you know, that he he has been absolutely imperious. And um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I, I agree with you. I, th- I thought Diaz was the pick of Liverpool's outfield players on the day. Um, I, mean, I suppose you could easily have given it to to, to Kelleher, to be honest, for the. The big saves he made. I mean, even you know, Mendy, you know, made some made some brilliant saves as well. Because it was it was a day for goalies really until until Kepper's uh, blaze blazed that spot kick over. But um, but yeah, it's it, that's so important to see Van Dijk back to those levels because I think you can see now as well that you know attackers just aren't getting any change out of him whatsoever, and and, and Liverpool's high line, which you know, when, when when results aren't fantastic then people always jump on it don't they at a critical of the high line and say you know what on earth are they doing and but you know thankfully we've had no, none of that talk for a while now because I think when the team is functioning well you can see exactly why they do defend so high because you know it enables them to squash the play into a shorter area you know they're reliant on the press working well to, to force teams to cough up possession and yes there is space in behind to exploit but when you've got a defender with the recovery pace of Van Dijk, who reads the game so well, plus you've got, you know, a keeper, whether it's Allison or Keller, who is so comfortable with the ball at his feet, you know, the precision for a team to to use that space in behind, it, you know, it has to be absolutely spot on. And you know, and you look at the, the stats as well, and you've got, you know, Liverpool. No team has no team has caught the opposition offside more often this season in Liverpool because it's it's such a well drilled unit. And Van Dyke is absolutely pivotal to that. Mm. Um, the what try and explain to people for for people who weren't in the stadium, try and convey to people. Obviously, journalists are you good with work of wordsmith. Try to convey to people what the atmosphere was like. Yeah, it was amazing. I think you know what, it's always it always feels a bit. I've been to a few League Cup finals. You know, going back over the last kind of 20, 30 years and FA Cup finals as well. And it always it always feels better for the League Cup final. I think just the way that the tickets are divided, you know, the two the two finalists get that many more tickets for the League Cup final. And I think and I think also there was a few reasons why it just had an extra edge to it. I mean, for the fact it was Chelsea, I think there's all you know, no love lost between those clubs, you know, going back to, you know, probably the last time they, they met in a League Cup final in two thousand and five. Um when you had the Benitez Mourinho rivalry, and um, so there was that to it. But I think also, you know, a lot of the Liverpool fans I spoke to outside the stadium, and you know, the sun was shining, and it was it had been a long time since Liverpool fans had had a day like that in the capital. And mm. you know, you go back to you know we hadn't won a domestic cup for you know one of the domestic cups for 
for 10 years, which is, you know, far too long. Um, you know, haven't been to a, a big Wembley final since 2016 in Klopp's first season. And then when you throw into the mix the fact that, you know, winning the Premier League two years ago and then being, because of the pandemic, being cruelly denied those kind of real special memories of, you know, the, the stadium being absolutely rammed and bouncing when that title was won, when the trophy lift happened, no parade around the city. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Liverpool fans and the, the players and the staff missed out on a hell of a lot. And then you know, the, obviously last season you had the wheels coming off with the the serious injuries, you know, the, just how, you know, I was, you know, people used to say to me last season, oh, you're so lucky you can still go to the games. And I felt quite ungrateful to say it, but I used to say to them, do you know what? I don't feel particularly lucky because it's, it's pretty rubbish to be honest. I'm like, when you sat watching football in an empty stadium, it was it was it just wasn't an, an enjoyable experience. It felt like you were watching training exercises after mm. the time, and I don't think that sometimes came across with obviously the fake crowd noise that that was yeah. pumped onto TV screens around the world. And it was anyway. And people people pounced on it as an excuse, didn't they? And said, "Well, it's the same for everyone." But it wasn't the same for everyone because I don't think not there, every team isn't an emotional team with an emotional brand of football like Liverpool have that, that feeds off that emotion from the supporters, you know, the, you know, a very emotional manager that, you know, always talks about how everyone's in it together. You know, it's, you know, he talks about, you know, fan, you know, don't, you know, don't come along to games as a Liverpool fan to be entertained. You come along to be part of it, to help us along the way. And, and, and Liverpool massively missed that. So, yeah, I think all of those things kind of added together to to make the atmosphere incredible at Wembley on Sunday, and then yeah, the scenes afterwards once uh, once Kepper had missed that penalty, I think you know that people will, will cherish that those forever. There was a lovely video of Kenny with Jurgen Klopp. Um, I don't know whether you've seen it. I saw that. The, yeah, the, the, the thing that stuck out for me, and I've known Kenny since I was a kid. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Kenny really give anyone a hug. Um, and that's just who he is. But when it's Jurgen Klopp, yeah, he'll take a hug off Jurgen Klopp 100%. But uh, the fact that Kenny, uh, Jurgen said to him, and if you haven't, if anyone watching this, if you haven't seen the, the video, Jurgen says to him, You were the last one, weren't you? And Kenny says, I was I. And that's the moment. So he gives him a big hug. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I just wanted to ask you as well, just before I leave this game and we go on to the Norwich preview, <clears throat> the, the subs in the game, um, I got the impression, I got the impression that the Chelsea subs were predetermined. They weren't a reaction to what was going on in the game. He was going to keep the team the way it was. He, he, he built the team in order to keep Liverpool uh, at arm's length as much as he could. And he always had in his mind he would bring in on Lukaku and and Werner for his pace. Um, and I felt like it seemed to work for him, whereas our substitutions, we brought Jota on, who didn't really contribute, not to say that he's he's rubbish or anything, I just, and maybe he's just not fit. Yeah. Um, Harvey came on, did a few things, but was, was a little bit quiet, if we're honest. Um, and I I think the game changed at that point. What? How did you see it when you were in the stadium? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the substitutions. You know, I think it was a bit of a contrast to say you look, you look at Inter Milan away a couple of weeks ago, and I, and I think those subs, you know, transformed the game in terms of that triple substitution that Klopp did then. Sudden, you know, massively improved Liverpool and and helped them go on and, and win the game. I think Sunday was different. I think 
it didn't really they didn't improve Liverpool. I think it actually became a, a lot more disjointed um, after those, and it and it just became so stretched, didn't it, at the game? And I think maybe maybe fatigue and all you know in the, in the other areas of players who who hadn't you know been introduced, maybe that was a part as well. But it was um, yeah, I mean that game could have been anything, couldn't it? It's um, you know, and, and because it's a <clears throat> You know, it's a major final. I don't think there's much, you know, I'm sure Klopp hasn't wasted too much time since Sunday dwelling on the tactical deficiencies of of that game. But um I mean it could have been it could have been three or it could have been three one either way with the chances there were when you think about you know that Mendy save from Sadio Mane first half was you know, one of the oh, best saves fun. you'll see. It was like then you think you know the Kelleher one from from what was it, Pulisic early on, the one from Lukaku right at the death, the disallowed goals, you know, I thought you know, it's you know VAR. You know, it's you know two two massive decisions. Probably you'd say, you know, even even themselves out in the end. One going Chelsea's way with the disallowed Matip goal. One going Liverpool's way with that really tight tight call. But um, but yeah, it was. I'd, I'd say it was probably the best nil nil I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I can't. I think if anyone had said to you beforehand it would be nil nil, you'd be think, oh, you know. I bet you know real cagey affair. Both teams too worried about what the other one might do to them to to really come out of their shell and play. But it was the, the absolute opposite, wasn't it? It mm. was um, just a, a fantastic game, and I, and I think that's why when you when you come out on top in a game like that, it just does so much for you. You know, you 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 know you see people. Say, you know, I've seen you know people you know who support other clubs saying you know. Oh, that was a bit over the top. It was only the League Cup, but it's like, no, no, no. It's it, it it meant that much because of what Liverpool have been through the last couple of years, but also I think because of what they know that this could do for them mm-hmm. for the back end of the season. Because um, yeah, it, there is it does feel like shades of two thousand and one with where you know you talk to anyone that was part of that treble winning team, and and they always say that the most important moment of that season was beating Birmingham City in the League yeah. Cup final because. You know, again, it wasn't massively convincing on the day, but you know that that just gave them the momentum to kick on. And you know, winning is a habit, isn't it? And then you you know you get a taste of it, and you, and you want more. And um, yeah, that that's why you think you know, with with the way the squad is at the minute, and with the way that belief is so high, you do think to yourself, wow, what what have we got in store for the next few months? Just be, this is the last thing on the uh, on the final. Um... I wanted to know what it, what you were aware of on on the TV. They Sky did a it was like a full rundown on Kepper's different stages of getting ready. You know, so on the TV we knew Kepper was coming on. Like it, at first there was a bit of disbelief from the commentators, but you 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 eventually thought, hang on, he's just put his gloves on. He's definitely coming on for the substitution. We couldn't believe it. Were you aware of any of that in the stadium? And what did yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. To be honest, I was sat next to our. Our Chelsea reporter Liam and he he said early on in extra time that you know if this goes to penalties he will he will bring Kepper on. I think it was it was well anticipated. Obviously he'd done it before and it had worked out previously. Um, you know I think I think it's easy in hindsight to be critical of Tuchel. I think what one thing I would say, which I you know I said I said to Liam at the time, which I thought was odd, was that you know and, and I know that the, the, the stats back up the fact that Kepper you know, is you know is a de- previously has been a decent penalty taker, but I just think Mendy was having such a good game. Yeah, but that that was why for me it it just seemed a bit bizarre because I think mm. 
especially when he's pulled off that save for Marnie first half, Mendy, and you're thinking, you know, I, I think just if you're a Liverpool player stepping up to take a penalty mm. against a goalie that's been absolutely unbelievable for 120 minutes, psychologically, you're not thinking, I'm going to have to hit it that bit harder, be that bit more precise with this spot kick to beat this guy, compared to a, to a you know, someone who, you know, yes, might have a decent penalty record, but he's, he's coming in absolutely cold for that shootout. Um, and yeah, so I, you know, it, it, it backfired, didn't it? It was, um, there's an aura around Mendy, you know, yeah. a bit like, you know, when, when keepers are in the pomp, you know, you, you would, you would, uh, there was a, certainly a time at, when you p- played against the Hayer, I'm sure strikers felt like they'd have to hit the perfect shot in the perfect yeah. position. I'm sure that happened with Michael. I'm sure it happens with Allison. And I'm sure it's happened, it happened with Mendy. The few times we've played them this season, I felt, Christ, how are we going to get something past this? This goalkeeper, he's been fantastic. Bearing in mind as well, he's just won um, the African Cup of Nations in a, in a, in a penalty shootout. And yeah. I think he made a couple of saves. It just, it just seemed very, very strange that that was predetermined and agreed upon and they thought that was the best course of action. But like you say, with hindsight, it, you know, it is what it is. Let's. Um, I'm conscious that I'm keeping you a bit longer than I said, so let's move on to the Norwich game. Um, where do you? How do you think our lads recover from what's just happened on Sunday and then go again? Um, I'm gonna have a little chat with you about the team selection. I've got a little team selection which I think it could be, but um, you know, just in general, do you do you think this is going to be possibly a game too far, or do you think they'll be fine? No, I think I think it will be a very different looking starting lineup to Sunday because I think Klopp has got so much belief in in the depth of talent at his disposal and probably winning the League Cup underlines that the fact that 33 different players were involved in terms of game time from from you know from that when that journey started at Carrow Road to to lifting the trophy at, at Wembley so um no I, I don't see it being a game too far I think I think it's you know, I think also you look at it from Norwich. You know, Norwich have obviously got bigger fish to fry themselves at the minute than the FA Cup. With you know, they're they're scrambling to try and to try and get themselves out of big trouble at the bottom end of the Premier League. And um, so it'd be interesting to see what kind of team you know Dean Smith plays. But no, I think you know, when when I spoke to a couple of the players since Sunday, and you and you know, the, the the mood was very much like, do you know what we love Sunday? But it's it's gone now, you know that. Right. This isn't this isn't like a group of kind of heady teenagers who have never won anything before, and you know, and and, and suddenly just think, well, that's it, you know, successful season. We've ticked that box. That you know, these these are serial winners. You know, most of this squad, you know, won if they didn't win the Champions League, they certainly won the Premier League the year after, and they've been part of, of big successes. And and yeah, they, you know, I I I, I think you know from what I was told, there was a you know. We, we all saw the scenes in the dressing room afterwards, the singing and the dancing and the jubilation and the ecstasy and all the rest of it. And and then once they got on that that coach that took them from Wembley to Luton Airport and then from Luton Airport flying back to Liverpool very late on, on Sunday night because they were held up by the drugs testing and the yeah. traffic and all the rest of it. You know, there, there was no party on the plane or something. No, it, it was, you know, it, was, it all seemed very calm and, and quiet to be honest and they all went their separate ways when they got back to Liverpool so it's not like it's not like you know there was there was some massive party and then it was it's back to it and all the rest of it I just you know Monday was a recovery day Tuesday afternoon they were training again um 
so I, no, I haven't got any concerns about kind of you know after the Lord Mayor's show or anything like that tonight. Did you did you see that yesterday when one of the journalists yeah. said to Jurgen after the Lord Mayor's show and he was like, "What?" what yeah, 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 yeah. They obviously yeah that doesn't doesn't translate into German that one. <laughs> Um, like I said, I've had a little go at the team. I'm probably way off, but I just wonder what you thought about this. Um, I, I'm I, starting in goal. Would you? Would you? Uh, would you think that Allison will come back in, or do you think he'll keep Queeve? No, I think I think I think Allison will play tonight. I think I'd be yeah. I think I think the fact that obviously um, Kelleher, you know, after after the absolute drama and heroics of the weekend, um, you know, just no need to push him push him into there again. So I think you know, Alisson, I, I fully expecting him to start in goal tonight. Yeah. Can you see, you can see that graphic, I'm guessing. Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think that'll be, I don't think that'll be far off. I mean, I suppose you could argue, you know, whether it will be Matip or Canate is probably a bit of a coin toss. I'd be, you're right. I'd, you know, I mean, Van Dyke. what do you, I mean, Van Dyke is almost back to that kind of, you know, as we talked about earlier with Van Dijk, he, you know, he's just such a machine. Do you, you know? Do, do you just keep on playing him because he, you know, he almost feels like he's back into that cruising through games. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I would personally, I'd give Van Dijk a breather tonight. Joe Gomez definitely could do with the minutes. Mm-hmm. I think Simicus at left back is a bit of a no-brainer. You know, give him, give him that game time. Trent, I mean, I suppose, you know, do you do you possibly give? You know, you could even. You could even play Gomez at, at right back, couldn't you? And and then and then play Canate and Matip if you wanted to. Or you could play um, Milner at right back, I suppose. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. So you anyway, know, the, the beauty of it, he does have you know plenty, plenty of options options there. And um, yeah, even a re, you know looking at that front line, you know, yeah, Jota. I mean, Jota's an interesting one, isn't he? Because you know, as you, I, I agree with what you said before, he, he definitely didn't look fully fit when he came on. On Sunday, I think you know if that had been just a normal Premier League game, I don't think Jota would have featured whatsoever. I think it was it was a real race to get back for a major final and and try and play a short cameo. So you think you know does does he need you know do, you know is he is he almost better off being held back for the weekend or as the extra couple of days helped yeah. him get back to where he was at? Um, yeah, Minamino that that one makes that one makes sense for me. The Ox um, one is, I feel I have some sympathy for Ox because when the lads were away at AFCON, Ox played, scored two goals back to back, and then we've not seen him since. It was literally the next game. He scored two goals, next game not played, and he's really not featured. And I think if he doesn't play in this game, you're wondering where he's going to get a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think that's a fair point. I think um, he really did step up and deliver Oxlade Chamberlain at a time when people were predicting that it would be a real tough spell for Liverpool without you know two of their their biggest hitters going forward. So um yeah, I'd like I'd like to see him get a run out tonight. Because as, as you said, it doesn't feel as if sometimes you know a player might have a few lean games and and then drop out of the way. But it feels like he's almost dropped out without having really done anything anything wrong, so to speak. So mm. um yeah, you know it's yeah I think yeah I don't I don't think that'd be too far off the lineup tonight because Can you um, see a, a Tyler Moore couple, maybe couple, play yeah, could, could you see a Tyler yeah, I mean, playing? Possibly on that. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if he started just just because of the sheer options he's got in there at the minute. Um, you know, obviously, Cater came off relatively early, didn't he? I think second half on the weekend. So you you know you you think he would 
he would be in the mix as well. So I think, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe bench for someone like Tyler Morton. But um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he was in the midfield starting three. Lovely stuff. Well, just before I let you go, can I um, can I just ask you because obviously you 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 transfer guru for Liverpool. So, um, uh, your understanding is the Fabio Carvalho deal pretty much done. Just needs dotting the eyes and crossing the t's. Um, do you know what? It's it's gone pretty quiet on that, hasn't it? The, you know, since since the, the the back end of the window. I mean, the the deal was done. You know, it was it was a paperwork issue that that meant it was just impossible to to get over the line on that on that, that frenetic night on deadline day. So um, so yeah, I think um, it's. I, I don't I don't think it's a case of it's just waiting to be announced. I think there is still some work to be done on that because you know I think the concern was always that if you waited to the summer you know overseas clubs can sign someone like Carvalho who's out of contract for you know next to nothing I think you're talking about you know half a million quid maybe even less than that so um um and that Liverpool you know under the terms of the rules they're not actually allowed to speak to Carvalho I think to like I think it's the third Saturday in May I think the rules state right um the only difference with that obviously is if they agree a fee in advance with Fulham and then all parties are in, in agreement. So, um, yeah, I think what we do, you know, Liverpool have, are still well and truly at the front of the queue for Carvalho. You know, I don't think anything that's happened in the last month has, has changed their mind on him. But, um, but yeah, and um, at the minute, you know, there's still, there's still some work to be done to get that over the line. It's, um, People watching this won't be won't be happy with what I'm about to say, but for, for me, if Carvalho comes in, and I I saw the other day that he was they they want James Milner to sign another one year deal. Personally, I don't think we will sign anyone uh, in the summer unless unless one someone leaves that we weren't expecting to leave. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think there'll be a bit more business than that. I think I think yeah. I think I think I think a lot depends on you know there's there's a there's a lot in that intray for Julian Ward coming into that sporting director's role this summer. And as we talked about earlier, you know what happens with Mo Salah, what happens with Sadio Mane, what happens with Roberto Firmino, you know, you know if none of them sign extensions, what do you do in terms of you know do you do you keep two out of the three? You know, do you, you know, do you, do you just look to offload one, and do you, you know, and do you look to offload one of the ones that's going to get you a decent, you know, financial return mm. while he's still got a year left on his deal? You know, then you've got a situation where, you know, midfield-wise, you know, you've got Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita both coming to the last year of their deals this summer. So again, right. similarly, you, you've got, you know, th- those are big decisions. You know, similarly with with the front three, you're going well with Keita and Oxley Chamberlain. You either give them a new deal this summer, which you know, I'd say would be a topic of debate whether e- either of them, you know, would you would you want to give them each of them another three or four years, or or do you or do you, you know do you cash in or do you accept that you're probably going to lose them for nothing the following year? And so if you know if you were to lose one of those two plus if Milner doesn't stay, then you know you're probably looking at having to strengthen further in that midfield department whether Carvalho comes in or not. So um, yeah, I think there's a fair bit you know, a fair bit up in the air. I mean, with, with Milner, you know, I think it goes without saying that Liverpool would make, you know, are making an effort to, you know, to, to keep him on board for another year because he's such a, a valued member of the squad 
um, you know, still doing a job on the pitch, but certainly off the pitch as well, is just, you know, just absolutely immense in terms of what he does in the dressing room. I think I think the big thing with him will be does he want to go somewhere and play more often? Because um Yeah. I and, and that, that's why I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's nailed on at this stage that he that he will just commit for another year because I think he's in the process at the minute of of kind of weighing up his options and deciding where he's at. And we know that the way that Liverpool operate, that you know, with Milner, what is he, thirty six now, going on thirty seven, that you know, any extension on the table would be heavily incentivized based on appearances. Yeah, and and you know, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's looking around thinking, well, where are those appearances going to come? Um, if if Liverpool are going to be adding to their midfield in the summer, so um. Yeah, plenty for him to think about. But, you know, regardless of whether Milner stays for another year or not, I think, you know, if he does, then he's great to have around. If he doesn't, then, you know, every Liverpool fan will wish him well because, um, you know, him and Joel Matip are probably vying now, I think, probably for the the crown of Liverpool's all-time greatest free transfer because, um, you know, I think for a long time, you'd probably say it was Gary McAllister. But uh, I think Milner and Matip have certainly usurped usurped Big Gary with... um, with what they've achieved at Liverpool. Brilliant. Well, listen, uh, James, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything that you're working on at the moment? The, the athletics people should be looking out for. Cheers, Gav. Yeah. Um, well, the, um, I mean, there's a few pieces on there at the minute, obviously all the, all the fallout from Wembley and, you know, in particular a piece looking at the role of um, German neuroscientists that Klopp's been working with um, that in particular have massively helped the, the set piece return so far this season. they, the, the, the German guys, Nicholas and Patrick, they uh, were over at Kirby last week working with the players on penalties. So, um, yeah, that piece is up on The Athletic at the minute. And, um, yeah, lots more planned for the next few weeks. It's a busy, busy time. But, um, yeah, just so exciting to, you know, whether you're supporting Liverpool or writing about Liverpool at the minute, the, um, you know, just the fact that we're even daring to talk about a quadruple and we're now into March just shows... Um, you know what? Uh, what an amazing season this has proven to be. There you have it. Uh, James is talking utter sense there. Drink it in, everyone. Enjoy what's going on at the moment because this is not normal, and we football's there to be enjoyed, and that's what what it's all about. James, thanks very much for your time, pal. And uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, give us a hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the bell button. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate.